Hi there, and welcome to the Wayback Music Machine podcast. This is the show that takes a lighthearted look at the week that was in rock and roll history. I'm Tony Stewart, and I'm joined here by... Aaron Badgley. And Aaron, it is our final episode of 2022. It's also our New Year's Eve special. Are you ready? I'm ready. I got my hat on, my blower, everything's good. Yep. All right, I'm ready too. I've been warming up, ready to sing Auld Lang Syne. So we are going to be taking a look at December 31st throughout the decades. And we've got some great stories today about new beginnings because it's only one more sleep until people start making all those resolutions again. So hold on to your hats, folks, and get ready. This is episode 81. So Aaron, as we head into 2023, are you a resolution kind of guy or are you just more of a go with the flow type of person? Well, about four years ago, I made a resolution not to make resolutions and I believe I should keep that one. How about okay. you? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm not a New Year's <laughs> resolution kind of guy. You know, I, uh, I just go with the flow and kind of take it as it comes and just enjoy every day if possible, you know? Tony, I'm going to be, I'm going to be really honest with you right now. I, I, the last three or four, okay, 10 New Year's Eve, I think I was in bed by 11. <laughs> yeah, me too. And, uh, you know, uh, unless I, we were supposed to have a, a New Year's Eve gig this year for the first time oh, in yeah? forever, but we normally don't play New Year's Eve gigs, but because it's post COVID and things are a little slower, you know, uh, coming out of the pandemic, we decided to take the gig, but then it got canceled. So we are free New Year's Eve and I'll probably be in bed by 10. <laughs> Well, full transparency, all the New Year's Eve shows anymore, I don't know half the artists, I don't care to know them, so... Well, and I don't um, feel like watching Mariah Carey do a bad job at lip-syncing either, so, you know... Well, that I always enjoy, but um, that's just not worth staying up for. (laughs) No, exactly. So we've got uh, all kinds of stories here about new beginnings, and I think it's great how this all lined up when we were researching the show. We had all these bands who got their starts or who had significant milestones on the 31st of December. And why don't we jump back to 1961? And if we go back to 31st of December, 1961, the Beach Boys made their live debut using their new name when they appeared at the Long Beach Civic Auditorium in California. So this is when they officially came out as the Beach Boys and the surf sound of, of Southern California. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's funny. We, we think of the Beach Boys as, as much later than this, but 61 is really early when you think about it. I'm just trying to figure out what their name was before the Beach Boys. Yeah. I was just going to ask you if you knew that. I did. I used to know it off the top of my head, but I just, you know, the brain sometimes, uh, let's see, they, they started as a garage band and literally a garage band playing in their, their dad's, well, one of the, Inside Murray's garage. Murray. Yeah. yeah. In their garage. But uh, I can't find their original name, but I'll, if I find it, I'll let you know, I promise. Yeah. An interesting group, uh, you know, heavily inspired the Beatles when they came out with pet sounds, of course, later on. But I always found it kind of funny that, you know, they were the, the surf sound, the beach boys, and really was only one of them actually surfed, didn't they? Yeah, and, and, and ironically and tragically, he died by drowning. Yeah. That was Dennis, Dennis Wilson, yeah. which is really a bizarre, bizarre thing. And, um, but they, they really, I mean, that was their 
thing, right? I mean, the sun, the surf, the fast cars, the good. T- I mean, their music was always, you know, very good times. And I was a bit surprised to read that they were influenced by the four freshmen, which could be, I mean, I can't find a band that's more drab. <laughs> no <Yeah>. offense. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that that that's like the five neat guys, right? Well, it's exactly. Now, they had, Brian Wilson had written some songs before this that other groups had uh, got some traction with, but it wasn't until really, you know, the Beach Boys came out and then took off, of course. But one of the few bands really wouldn't you say that that did okay during the british invasion they hung in there you know they they it's an interesting thing they they did okay at the very beginning of the the british invasion until brian and and as you said the beatles and the beach boys influenced each other and there was this really healthy competition and the beach boys did an album which I don't think anyone can argue this it's a classic album called pet sounds yeah that influenced the beatles to make pepper right yeah, Pet Sounds made a real statement for sure, and managed okay, didn't they? At the beginning, at least of the Beatle of the British invasion, and I mean Brian Wilson's troubles later on uh, are well known. So, Tony, what's your opinion of um, Brian Wilson as a as a composer, as a producer, and all that kind of stuff? What, what do you like? Where do you sit? Oh, I think Brian Wilson. I mean, I don't want to use the the word genius is always tossed around, but I would say Brian Wilson qualifies what about you i mean he's written some great stuff and produced i mean he 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 produced some amazing some amazing songs and i would agree with you but here's a hard question for you maybe do you have a favorite beach boy song oh um good vibrations i think right off the top of my head is such a great song i mean the theorem and stuff in there and everything and that's just a great song uh off the top of my head um love like help me Rhonda's a great song you know just the, some yeah. of those older like the the surf style songs too but good vibrations really is in a class by itself i think it's what a song oh it was it was like a mini opera yes it's, it's uh, i i agree with you i i the other one that comes to mind is god only knows oh yeah god only knows is fantastic yep like paul mccartney has said that's a, the best love song ever written oh well that's so, pretty high praise from from the guy who's written the best love songs, but I found the name of the band, Tony. Okay. They were originally known as the Pendletones. Oh, I think I knew that somewhere in the back of my, you know, middle-aged brain here that I, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it too. I just had to, I couldn't find it. It was on the tip of my tongue, but that's why they're, that's, I, I think they were smart to change that name. That's a terrible name. Yeah. The Beach Boy certainly is a, a rolls off the tongue a little better. Definitely. But, <laughs> you know, an interesting group because they managed to keep going. Like you said, they kept going in the seventies and then they had that Remember, They had the big hit in the Tom Cruise movie. They had Kokomo, right? What was the name of that movie? Oh, um, uh, cocktail. What about the cocktail? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, a, that was number one. Yeah. A big, big hit. I remember that was played everywhere and we used to play that even at high school dances, you know? They, they managed to keep going. Uh, now, they're still together. I don't think they've recorded anything probably in 20 years, but they're still touring I mean, without Brian Wilson, of course. But um, yeah, they, they survived. Somehow or other, they survived. And Brian, you know, uh, his troubles were always well publicized and his relationship with his father, boy. Do you remember that we, uh, I think on one of our podcasts, we played part of that clip of Brian and Murray arguing and Brian's yeah. standing up for himself and 
you know, telling Murray like shove off basically. And yeah, I know what I'm doing, dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tragic story in some ways. I mean, we, you know, Dennis Wilson, of course, drowned, um, Carl Wilson, who was a remarkably talented bass player and writer. We lost him to cancer. I mean, they, it, they found their tragedies, but they, as, as you say, you know, even Brian Wilson talking about his parents, the influence, he still survived somehow. So he's still, he's still making new music. Yeah. And you know, I do think that, I mean, of course we know that we're going to be talking about the Beatles 50 years from now, but I think we'll still be talking about the Beach Boys 50 years from now. And uh, I think their, their legacy is intact. And, and I think we're going to look favorably on them as we keep going. I agree. <laughs> now let's take a look at your chart here. You've got the top five singles of 1961. And actually this is, uh, I'm just looking at the chart here now and good list. Well, you know, I thought instead of doing the particular week, you know, since this is the the last show of the year, it's good to reflect on what was big that year. So I, I found Billboard's listing of the five top five singles of that year. And it's an interesting list. And, yeah. and number five is another one that influenced the Beatles, quite frankly, is a song called Runaway by Del Shannon. Number four, I, I, Roy Orbison, what can you say about this man who is... You know, he became part of the Traveling Wilburys with George Harrison crying. Uh-huh. This is a weird one. The Highwaymen at number three with Michael Row Your Boat Ashore. <laughs> I, <laughs> Go figure, you know. I don't know what to say. Number two is Patsy Klein. I fall to pieces. And number one, I, by the way, what's your thoughts of Patsy Klein? Very quickly. Uh, well, I'm hearing that song in my head right now as we speak. I, I love Patsy Klein just... I, I love that old style of singing and, you know, I'm well, hearing I fall to pieces, like I said, in my head right now. And it's just such an, uh, you don't hear singing like that anymore at all. It's just crystal clear. Yeah. Like it just has that, that voice. Yeah. And number one, number one, Bobby Lewis, tossing and turning. I couldn't sleep at all last night. That's a great song. That is a great song. So there you have it, folks. The Beach Boys making their debut as the Beach Boys on December 31st, 1961. And we are going to skip ahead exactly one year to December 31st, 1962. And we're going to go across the pond to the UK. So we will be right back. So this is kind of an interesting story, Tony, because it's it's a piece of history that I think has been lost over the last, I don't know, 50, 60 years. Bob Dylan, in 1962, December 31st, 1962, is in his first visit. He's playing at the King and Queen Pub in London. He gets hired to be part of a TV show called, it's, got, it's an interesting title called Madhouse on Castle Street. He gets hired by TV director Philip Saville because he hears Dylan playing in New York. And he plays in this BBC television drama. Can you imagine? this? And this is prior to him making it really, because it's 62, right? So he's not really big yet. No, and he hasn't even met the Beatles yet, right? So this is. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're still playing the cavern down the street That's in Liverpool. That's right. Yeah, they're still trying to get a record. Oh, they, did they have, no, they didn't have a record deal at this point yet either, so. So, you know, it, it's just, it's so, and, and uh, there's a fellow named David Warner who's in the TV special and he became famous too. And here's the, here's the, here's the, the funny part. 
Did you know that this doesn't exist anymore? That a complete copy of this does not exist. Oh, I'm just looking at the synopsis here, though. This thing is is morose. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know. Can I, can I just read it? Uh, like, sure. Listen to this description, folks. So the play is set in an English boarding house. One of the lodgers locks himself in his room, leaving a note stating that he has decided to retire from the world until the world has changed. Other lodgers and his sister try to coax him out and establish what the problem is. The action is punctuated by songs performed by Bob Dylan. Man, I would love to see that, like, just from morbid curiosity. But see, the, the BBC had a policy. Anything that wasn't on film, they would erase. So they, they this was actually early, early video recording, and they, they, they wiped it clean. So the only partial bits exist still, which is so sad. I would kill, I'd love to see this. Tony. Now, did they wipe it clean just because of it was expensive? To, yeah. Yeah. So they had, they just had to reuse the tape. Oh, man. And, that's crazy. And the songs that Dylan does, Dylan does Blown in the Wind. Oh, yeah. Live. He does um, Cut Me Down, My Love, which he never recorded. Hang Me, Oh, Hang Me. Cuckoo Bird and Ballad of the Gliding Swan. These songs are, are lost now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, what a shame. Doesn't sound like a feel-good play, yeah. Yeah, no, but you hear all kinds of stories of that, don't you, of them erasing tape back then and, and tons of well, treasures lost. The, the Beatles appeared in 65 on Top of the Pops and performed Ticket to Ride Live. It doesn't exist. The only thing you can see, there's a Doctor Who episode from the 70s where there's a 14-second clip of the Beatles as Doctor Who goes back in time. Oh, really? Sad, eh? Yeah, Sad. it is. And I guess there's no way to, to recover those either. I, like, I don't know how tape works, whether you can, you know, is there like an, an imprint left behind when they erased it, erase it or something? Can you digitally recover it or? No, the only way you can, the only thing that can happen is if someone filmed it off the TV, which has happened. There's a, there's been incidences where people at home, would actually film it on their Super 8 or their 8mm, yeah. and you could find the audio. The audio is easy to find. I've heard the audio, but you, you, the, the, the visual is gone. Do you remember, you know who else had this policy? CTV and TVO. And CTV, you, you probably, I don't know if you remember, Kenny Rogers had a TV series. Okay, I, I vaguely remember, yep. Half of those episodes are gone, and he had people like CCR, The Doors. Oh, man. He had big names. It was for CTV, and CTV literally erased them for, for as you say, it was for cost. It said, like, well, we can reuse the videotape. Oh, my gosh. At what cost, though? Dudes, seriously. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's incredible. You know, yeah. now we have the opposite problem, right, where nothing can go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all there on YouTube, man. <laughs> I like what you did. You went with the same theme here, right? The top five singles of 1962. And I, I'm laughing about number one. This guy, it's amazing how popular he was, but I'll, I'll let you go through the list first and we can talk about that. The funny thing about number one, is I've said this musician's name more in the last year. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what the hell? But and number, I mean, okay, I'm I'm, I'm going to ask you about one artist and see what you think of him. So okay. we're we're going to go down. Number five, the classic, and I I love this song. I'm oh, be me too. I'm a fan. That's a great song. Are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah I love you, it. 
Didn't you get in trouble once for playing it at a school show? No, I never played it at a school show. I always kind of, you know, subversively wa- wanted to, but never, <laughs> never did. <laughs> Number five is The Stripper by David Rose. It's a great song. Oh, it's fantastic. Number, this, is, this is who I want to ask you about. Okay. Bobby Vinton. Roses are red. My love oh. as a number four. What is your, what's your take on Bobby? Well, I unfortunately watched way too much Bobby as a kid because my <laughs> grandfather was a Bobby Vinton fan. So I, I had a lot of exposure to Bobby Vinton. My goodness. <laughs> do you remember, do you remember in the seventies, he had a big hit called my melody of love. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh my. Man, I hated that song. My mom loved him. She loved him. And we had the single Mr. Lonely, which got spun in our house way too much. Yeah. Everybody loved Bobby Vinton back then though, man. Ah, uh, oh, man. Um, is he still alive or he? I'm not sure. Idea. I'm not sure. Um, number three, Mashed Potato Time by the by D.D. Sharp. Okay. No, I, I know. I'm going to just say this, folks. This is one of Tony's favorite songs and uh versions ray charles at number two of i can't stop loving you yes oh my gosh from what modern sounds of country and western music you love that album it is I it's too. well it's, it's just such an important piece of history too right you know the, agree more. the audacity of uh but you know i don't think people realize right the audacity of a blind african-american artist Saying to his record label, I'm, I'm going to make a country and Western album. <laughs> it's just incredible. <laughs> I, I, I just can't imagine what the executives thought when he said he was going to do that. I, I still can't believe they, re- they released it. Yeah. You know? uh, I mean, there, you could you could literally see the company going, well, that's very nice, but we're not releasing this just so you know. You can record it, but it's going to it's gonna stay hidden for, oh, I don't know, ever. <laughs> yeah, and and turned out to be one of the biggest, you know, most important country releases of all time. It was and and massive that year. Uh-huh. Um, and number one, uh, I'm going to start an official fan club. Uh, Acker Bilk with "Stranger on the Shore," which um, okay, Acker Bilk must have been huge, right? Uh, yeah, a lot of people listen to him, and "Stranger on the Shore" is the one song that it's amazing. Throughout my career, you know, I'm a clarinet player, right? So yeah, it is amazing the number of times I've had people ask me like, oh, do you know that song, uh, that Acker Bilk song? Like it's in- incredible how many people know that tune. Are you serious? Yeah. I could, uh, what, did, did you ever play it? Uh, I've played it a couple times, but I mean, it's certainly not my favorite, you know, <laughs> but man, he, yeah, he, he sold a lot of records back in the day. Uh, Tony, he's been on our show probably more than uh, Sound of Music soundtrack. Yeah, that's true. I, I, you're probably and we, right. And we know how much that's been on our show, right? Well, exactly. Now, guess what, Aaron? If we jump ahead one year, one of your one favorite year. bands, one of your favorite bands is coming up. Yep. So, all right, folks. So we're going to be back on December the 31st, 1963. Stick around. Here we are, it's December the 31st, 1963, and we're staying across the pond in the UK. We're in London. The Kinks make their live debut at a place called the Lotus House Restaurant. Of course, nowadays, we recognize the Kinks as one of the most important acts to come out of the British invasion. And Ray Davies and Dave Davies uh, 
gave whole new meaning to the term sibling rivalry, didn't they? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, and I, hey, but before I forget, on their second last studio album, they did a song called Hatred, parenthesis, I, uh, a duet where they say it's like you know uh, where we agree to be together but i hate you and I, you hate me and <laughs> oh man it sounds like they you know like a festivus thing right you remember seinfeld festivus where they're oh my gosh. Yeah. airing their 100%. grievances yeah yeah <laughs> so the kinks started out their lives as a group called the ravens i remember that very distinctly and um they're i i you're right they are in my top 10 favorite bands of all time they made 24 studio albums. Their last album was the 1994 Sabi called To the Bone. Uh, listen to the praise they get, Tony. Queen guitarist Brian May credits them with the, the, grow, the, the seed that grew into riff-based music. Pete Townsend of The Who said that Ray Davies invented a new kind of poetry and a new kind of language for pop writing that influenced him from the very, very beginning. Uh, I love the Kinks. Um, I, I have nothing but good things to say about them. And I've seen them several times. I've seen Ray Davies solo. Can I, can I tell you my funny Ray Davies joke? He did a solo show here in Toronto at the Danforth Music Hall, and I went, and he had a solo album out of about 10 years prior. And I brought my copy, and I, I got to the front of the stage and said, Mr. Davies, can you sign this? And he grabbed it. He goes, oh, you're the one. I went, pardon? He goes, were you the one that bought the album here in Canada? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's sold more than ten copies. It's a great album, however. But um, yeah, so uh, what, where do you? How do you like the Kinks? Oh, I love the Kinks as well. And um, they were like, you know, the Beatles come over and and pave the way for everybody else. And then the Kinks, though, are a, are a harder edge for sure. Just and you know, not as media friendly as the Beatles are little dangerous aren't they the the perception of the kinks when they came well, over first of all i mean their, their brothers would fight on stage there's a, there's a famous story where the kinks were on stage and dave davies the guitarist got into a fist fight with McAvery, the drummer <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know these guys you're right they weren't polished do you ever hear the story about how they got the guitar sound for you really got me no, no. dave davies had this little amp and it, it only went to a certain volume. Back in the 60s, they absolutely did. And he wanted a certain sound, so he got his mom's knitting needles. And he just kept stabbing it with the knitting needles, puncturing the hell out of it. And he discovered the more he did it, the more it got this really weird, almost um, feedback sound when he hit certain notes. So that's how he got the sound on You Really Got Me, by just attacking his amp. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, bless and them. you know, when you, when you talk about like rough around the edges, right? That was... You know, people, I, I'm in the middle of that uh, Bob Spitz book that you gave me. The oh, Beatles that's a great book, book eh? But you look, is, isn't it? And when, But when you look at the Beatles pictures from their Hamburg days, right? They were rough around the edges as well and dressed, you know, all in leather and the and the black jeans. And yeah. I mean, it was not uncommon for them to be fighting on stage or fighting with uh, people in the audience. Like Lennon was... was uh, pretty over the top sometimes well, some of the stuff he would say when he was on stage and i mean he would he would he would mock the goose walk from world war ii <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah he'd give the old nazi yeah. salute <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but, but see their manager brian epstein cleaned them up whereas the king's manager yeah. kind of said well hey we can play on this a bit you know well exactly and so uh, you can see why a band like the who would find that the kinks were a big influence, right? Because the who then took that 
bad behavior and uh, maybe just ratcheted it up a few notches, right? Well, I mean, you've seen those clips where the Who are just smashing the hell of their instruments on stage, right? Oh my gosh. And watching uh, Keith Moon behind the drum set, uh, that I could do that for hours because his facial expressions oh, were so odd, priceless, he? weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Such an odd character. <laughs> we did that story. Do you remember that story we did? We're having a, a reflection here, folks, where he just hired New York City cabbies to block <laughs> off the street at both ends. But you, but you know, in a really weird way, he was very, very considerate, really, if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. So, folks, he hired, it was like nine cabs or something, and he to block off the street so that he could trash a hotel room and toss everything out the window without hurting anybody down below oh my gosh <laughs> but there's, there's, a, there's a there's a there's a certain sense of hey you know what he's looking after people <laughs> no exactly so favorite kinks album i'm putting you on the spot here do you have a favorite album um, of theirs or my no? favorite album by the kinks would probably be low budget because i was the i, I love oh. low budget album with superman wish i could fly like superman and the song low budget but i have to say my favorite song and it's in my top 10 favorite songs of all time, a song called Waterloo Sunset, which I just, I, I adore that song. You know what? You should put Waterloo Sunset, by the way, on the uh, playlist. And maybe we should put that in the po- post-podcast show as well. Well, it's already in the playlist because that's my, I, I'm told. But I bet you, you would have been of, of an age to remember Come Dancing, right? Yeah, well, that's right. I was in high school when Come Dancing came out. Yeah, so the, That was big. It was big, but it was an interesting because, you know, a lot of people kept saying, is this the same Kings from the 60s, because they had gone 20 years without hits, and all of a sudden, they were back in the top 10 again, right? Well, that's right, and we touched on that, didn't we, on this we show, did. that they were actually, they were basically banned from performing live. for How long were they banned for? It was like five years or something, yeah. right? It was crazy. <laughs> again, because of their little, <laughs> they, were, they just weren't, uh, social, they were socially awkward. How about that? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, so man. let's take a look. Let's take a look in 63 and let's, let's look at how things are changing. Although Mr. Vinton stuck around on the chart here. I noticed that, but uh, the top five singles of 63, man, I remember that song too. All right. Let's, uh, let's hear it, Aaron. Number five, you got Bobby Vinton coming in, right? Great movie, Blue Velvet. Great film. Uh, Yeah. Blue Velvet, Bobby Vinton. Number four, the controversial for Beatle fans, the Chiffons. He's so fine because, but you know what the song my sweet lord yeah harrison yeah and then uh they ended up uh, arguing against harrison in court didn't they and and what what did he say though he wasn't trying to copy the chiffons he was trying to do something else backwards right what was the what was the song this is best defense i i I, he said i took oh happy day and just played it backwards (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i don't think that helps you george (laughs) 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 number three is a song i adore i just love this song and i haven't heard it until i was doing this chart i went oh my gosh and i dug it up last night and listened to it rhythm of the rain by the cascades which i don't think i know it but maybe it's one of those ones where once i hear it then i'll recognize i I guarantee you listen to the rhythm of the falling rain telling me just what a fool i've been oh my gosh yeah 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 i know that song yeah right there love that song Number two, Skeeter Davis with The End of the World. Happy song. <laughs> Can I, who names their kid Skeeter? Sorry. <laughs> I don't have an answer. <laughs> I'm just going to move on. 
right. I mean, can you imagine? Come here, Skeeter. Um, <laughs> and you're a teacher. Can you imagine having a kid in your class? Named I mean, how would you do that without laughing every time? Oh, you know, I had, oh my God, can I just take a sidebar here and tell you? And I, could, I couldn't stop. Um, what was the Water Boy by Adam Sandler? Have you seen oh, the course, Water Boy yeah. by Adam Great Sandler? Movie. You remember Bobby Bo- Bobby Boucher? Yes. You remember that character? Yeah. And so we had a kid at the high school whose name was Bobby Boucher, and I would just giggle every time they'd call him down to the office or something. I just couldn't couldn't help it. <laughs> Did he get the joke? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, he knew. He was kind of sick of it. You know? <laughs> Uh, but you know what? Unfortunately, this is what happens when people take these names and it's like, you can't help it. You can't separate it. Right. So I, I'm with you. No, I'm exactly. You. Uh, and number one is a group that we've already talked about. Uh, the Beach Boys with see here, they're breaking now surfing USA. Yes. Big, breaking in a big way. Cause this is like the number one record of the year. So, you know, in one short year, they went from playing in a garage to being the number one record of the year. Pretty amazing. eh? They always say, right, there is no such thing as overnight success. And when you start reading about these acts, you realize that, boy, they had to pay their dues before they, they made it big. And the Beach Boys were no exception. No. And, and you know, the Beatles playing, you know, seven hours a night in in Hamburg, Germany, right? So Yeah, seven hours a night, seven days a week. Yeah. That's astounding. You know, I, I mean, I'll do a four-hour gig and, and that feels like a lot. And these guys were... And not getting the kind of breaks either that musicians get today. I mean, they were basically ordered back on stage all the time, right? Because because the crowd would get restless if they weren't up there. I know. Incredible days. But it, you know what? This is before American Idol and The Voice and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. We are going to take another break here. And then we are going to come back in 1973. And an Australian band is making their live debut. So we'll see you in a few moments. So we're in Sydney, Australia. It is the 31st of December, 1973. And an Australian band named ACDC makes their live debut at a place called Checkers Bar. And everybody had to start somewhere. And I'm wondering, Aaron, how many people might have been at that gig you know um was it a case perhaps that they had you know 20 30 people but it was probably a new year's eve gig so i I bet there were there was a good crowd there but i i love finding out how these bands start you know they because it, it didn't take it was only a few short years later that they start breaking in a big way yeah, and and boy, did they break in a big way. I I would say Tony because it's I mean first of all it's called Checkers Bar. So how big could that be? Let's just start there, shall we? Um, yeah, I'm sure it was you know, and they probably did a lot of covers, and they probably weren't doing their own material because it's New Year's Eve gig. I, I'll look it up, see if I can find out how many people were there. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting though. Um, you know, got to start somewhere, but making their debut on a New Year's Eve gig, and. Of course, it, it didn't take long. And what a sound. I love ACDC. I am a big, big fan of those guys. And, and you know I saw them in Toronto live and, and loved it. It was a fantastic show. Where, where did you see them, Tony? You saw them at the Sky Dome, right? Yeah, the Sky Dome. I mean, it was a, I, I'm guessing it must have been called the Rogers Center back then. But uh, yeah, I saw them there. And I remember I was coming across town and it took me two hours 
to get across town because I was coming from uh, Markham to go see them. And man, the traffic was just unbelievable. But great show. Really, really great show. I'm so glad that I had that opportunity, you know, before all the stuff that's happened in the last few years. Do you remember when we had um, the big concert here? The Stones did a big concert for SARS and in Downsby yes, Park. Yes. And here are the Stones who are the headliners of the show. But who saw that day? Who People talk about ACDC, that, their performance, more so than they talk about the Stones' performance, right? They are the perfect live act, and they're so funny. So, so funny. And, um, you know, Angus is just a force on stage. Uh, it's hilarious, hilarious. And that whole strip, t- uh, the strip tease routine that they drag out for, you know, I think he dragged that out for probably 10 or 12 minutes. And, and everybody's just howling in laughter. Like, it was a great show. It's interesting. I just want to share this with everybody. Tony, you, you set up a, what we call the planner sheet, the, what do you call it? The, you know, the, the the framework what we're going to talk about and you picked every band you picked today Bob Dylan's not a band but every band you picked have siblings in the group Beach Boys oh yeah the Kings that's a great coincidence I just realized that and ACDC because ACDC Angus Young uh, Malcolm Young and Stevie Young and they were produced by their other brother so what a weird coincidence that you and you and I both have brothers (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly oh I love when that happens yeah me too too. now I'm looking at your chart here because we did the same theme, yep. right? So the top five singles of 73. Yeah. <laughs> Number one, just, I can't believe that this was number one must have been a lot of italians <laughs> that record. a lot of lot of old italians <laughs> i'm not touching that with a barge ball <laughs> so number five was Paul McCartney's first big solo single, man, I mean big, um, My Love yeah. by Paul McCartney and Wings. Sidebar, um, this song was recorded in one take with a live orchestra, no overdubs, and Paul McCartney loves to tell the story that just before they're going to do the take, the guitarist Henry McCulloch leans over to Paul and goes, I decided to change the uh, guitar solo, you'll like it. Paul went, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We'll just go with it. And it made number, it was a huge hit. Number one single, but made number five for the end of the year. Number four, uh, another terrific song, Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye. Number three, Roberta Flack, Killing Me Softly with his song. Number two. She was talking about Don McLean, right? In that song, seeing Don McLean in concert. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love Don McLean, by the way, underrated artist. Number two, Jim Crochet, Bad Bad, Leroy Brown. And number one, I'm going to let you take No, Tony, it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. Yeah, so Tony Orlando and Don singing Tie a Yellow Ribbon Round the Old Oak Tree. Like in 1973, that went to number one. That is crazy. And I, and I remember that version. I've heard that version. But I just... In an era, you know, when Led Zeppelin is huge and all these other rock bands are huge and and Tony Orlando goes to number one. That's wild. It's a sweet song. It is. I'm not knocking the song, but I'm just I, I just, you know, when you look at the context of what was going on in 1973, like how on earth did that get to number one? Was uh, it a soundtrack or something like in a soundtrack or something? 
Now, while Aaron and I sit here and ponder this and other mysteries of life, we'd like to take the opportunity to wish you all the best in the year coming up in 2023. And also, thanks for staying with us on the road for all these episodes that we did in 2022. I can't believe the year's over already, Aaron. I know. It's incredible. It just seemed to go by in a blink of an eye. And, you know, between this and our radio show, I mean, I, I got to tell you, pal, uh, I love working with you, and this is something that I look forward to. I, I would do this every single day of the week if I could. I'm, I'm, I'm with you as well. I, I look forward to it. I get excited. We're, oh, we're going to record tomorrow. Yay. And I, I, I love it. So doing our show notes and getting a chance to work with you, Tony, the radio show, everything. And, and I look forward to some new projects that we haven't talked about yet but in 2023. I know we've got some stuff on the back burner. Yes, I can't wait to uh, talk about those as well. So, folks, thank you for listening. Our music today was written by Rick Denis, and we just appreciate you more than you know. So keep doing what you're doing, sharing the show, tuning in every week to give us a listen. If you are a radio listener, stick around, because we've got the post-podcast show coming up, and we've always got some great tunes on there. But in the meantime, Aaron... When the man is getting you down, what should you do? Just keep on rocking, because that's basically it. Thanks for listening, folks, and we'll see you next year. 